We forecast prices and fundamentals. Whether you're a trader, producer, or consumer, you can hedge your bets with Montel's diverse forecasting portfolio. Contact us at salesatmontelnews.com for more info and a free trial. Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing energy matters in an informal setting. This week we turn to the Nordic market. We have seen a collapse in prices, even negative prices, the market is oversupplied and the mild weather is showing no sign of abating. Companies are struggling to post profits in this environment. How long will this last? Helping me to answer this and many other questions is Sigbjörn Selan, Chief Analyst at Storm Geo. A warm welcome to you, Sigbjörn, and welcome back to the pod. Yes, thank you, Richard. Uh, happy to be back. Excellent. Now, I, I thought we could start by current prices and current market development. So what's happening here? I mean, we're seeing very, very low prices on some, some days even negative. What, what's, what's going on? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a combination of very, very strong hydrological uh, situation for sure. And also this very significant growth in, in wind power production in the Nordic uh, region. The combined effect uh, seems to, to give uh, record low prices this year. How about COVID? Has that had an effect at all on the market? Or is it all fundamentals? It's, uh, let's say, 99% fundamentals, maybe, and 1% COVID. COVID has, uh, well, if, if, if you look at uh, electricity consumption right now, I would say it's more or less at the same level as one year ago. So in that sense, it seems that uh, the effect of, the, of uh, COVID uh, is, uh, has disappeared. Maybe in, in Q2 and Q3, we saw some negative impact on, on electricity consumption, maybe some 3 to 4% year-on-year decrease, but that consumption is now back again. So weather is much more important than COVID, for sure, for the Nordic power market. I mean, the weather has always been very important for the Nordic market, but uh, absolutely crucial. We'll return to the wind power development in the Nordic market, but I, I think if we can um, look at what, what your expectations are for next year, will this annus horribilis, will we see a repeat of this? In a way, we, we all know how volatile prices are in a hydropower system as the Nordic. This year, uh, system price will be around 10 euros per megawatt hour. Last year, 2019, it was around 39. But for sure, the odds have developed very significantly towards very low prices also for next year and coming few, few years for sure. The main reason for this is, is mainly wind power, which, which is growing very fast. And just to give some figures again, in 2019, the combined wind and solar power production in the Nordic region was 47 terawatt hours and in 2021 we expect 78 terawatt hours and in 2022 93 terawatt hours it's a very massive growth i would say and the investments behind this growth is almost entirely in uh, decided investment decided so so that growth is is more or less uh, given, I would say. That's incredible. That's almost a doubling over two to three years. It is. It is. It, I, and I think, uh, to be frank, it's a bit of a surprise to uh, everybody, I would say. If you go back two, two, three years, I don't think anybody expected growth to be so massively. And, uh, and, and it's in a market with no electricity consumption growth. At mm. least for now, we don't see that. 
So the power surplus is growing very fast. It, no matter what happens to consumption the next few years, we are developing towards a very, very large power surplus, for mm-hmm. sure. But this onset of wind will then, in a sense, just drive prices lower. I mean, that's a fair assumption, unless there's a very dry year, of course. Yeah. But then, I mean, is, isn't there a bit of a cannibalizing effect on, on the prices here, on of these projects? Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. For sure, uh, it is. That's, that's a natural factor in this. Any new investment in in wind power cannibalize on all previous investments, but that effect is at least up until now very slow, I would say. You still see that uh, a marginal wind power project typically achieves well above 90% of the baseload price in the price uh, area it is uh, located. But there is a trend towards, or or you you see this uh, cannibalization taking place. But uh, in this sense, it doesn't impact this uh, enormous power surplus. The, the energy is already built. So, mm. um, And as you said, <laughs> all the things equal, obviously mm. it means lower prices. So, um, yeah. Absolutely. So Sigrid, so if we look at next year, I mean, can things get worse in terms of prices? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the producers, I mean, right? Maybe from the, uh, the consumers, it's a very positive sign that prices are very low, of course. And we mustn't Mustn't forget industry, yeah. Definitely, definitely. It can become uh, much wor- worse, I would say. Our starting uh, or ending this year with a close to record strong hydrological uh, situation. So if next year turns out to be another wet year, we will definitely see lower prices next year than this year. So in our uh, analysis, it, it's close to... 50% probability that we will see even lower prices next wow. year. And are even more instances of negative prices as well, Subian? No, I don't think so. That said, I really didn't uh, expect to see negative prices in the, in the system price at all. But we had the first incident a few weeks ago. It was a Monday morning, and I suspect that uh, has... Uh, Let's say so, some markets, some hydropower producers were a bit off guard or uh, lazy or whatever. So, mm. uh, but when we have seen it, in a way, you can say it's a sure thing that it will happen again. But it will be a very, very rare happening occasion. Mm. And, and mm. I, it could be years until next time. We've become used to them in, in, in Germany and maybe in Denmark. But it's, and for, the, for the system price, that's, uh, as you say, it's a... Very, very rare, and it's it's like uh, yeah. as long as as long as you have hydro power in the market clearing, there's no reason to see prices below zero mm. because they don't have negative margin costs. Absolutely, absolutely. It's as easy as that, and it's still there will be market power in the market clearing for many years to mm. come. Mm. So, in that sense, I would say that it takes another incident or uh, it, it shouldn't happen but it, but i guess it, since it has happened it will happen yeah, yeah again. absolutely what's the impact on on the power producers here i mean you, we've seen in the q3 numbers that have come out from the financial results that a lot of them are really are really struggling here i mean if what you're saying is correct that you know there's a high probability of even lower prices next year then the situation could get worse for some of these power producers Absolutely. For sure, some are better off than others. Those with active hedging programs can probably survive a year or two with these low prices. But I guess many hydropower producers have not hedged too much of their 
production and, and for sure it's it's uh they will they will have very bad numbers this year and and coming uh, years no question about it so you uh, know it seems to be you know 2020 won't be remembered very fondly then will it i mean you've got very 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 low collapsing prices as well as the covid situation so you know let's hope uh, <laughs> let's hope 2020 is a low uh, in man, in many uh, aspects but uh, prices are volatile in the nordic power market for sure but uh, i wouldn't be too optimistic uh, if i was uh, an uh, unhedged hydropower producer, to be frank. No, absolutely. You know, this year, next year, we'll see interconnectors coming online. Uh, we're seeing the Nordlink, which is, you know, recently said it would be delayed by only a week or so. But um, and then next year, the uh, the connect the North Sea link to to the UK. What impact would these have on the market? Would these come to the rescue of the producers so they can export out of Norway or? Uh, what, what's your view here, Sigbjorn? I think for those who hope that um, those interconnectors will be a rescue, I, I think they will be disappointed uh, in mm. a way, at least regarding Nordlink, because we know now about the minimum capacity that will be applied fairly often, I mm. guess. You have the internal bottlenecks in in Germany and you have also bottlenecks in southern Norway. So, so uh, in our uh, analysis it's it's a very modest sort of uh, relief from from nordlink uh, isolated we do do not expect to see very much uh, energy exported through nordlink the next uh, coming years but but on the margin it will be a positive thing but related or, or or in comparison to what happen it's happening on the supply side with all this wind power it's uh, peanuts in a way for the uk sea cable it things look uh, a bit uh, better for sure. Prices in in, uh, in general are a bit higher in, in UK and you don't have, uh, or at least uh, it doesn't seem to be the same problems with, with bottlenecks in, in UK. And so you do not expect to see, or we expect to see the capacity available for the market in, in general on the UK sea cable as opposed mm. to, to Norlink. So, so power will flow more out of of uh, NO2 there, but, but as we see in UK, you, you have quite a lot of numbers, hours, sorry, hours over a year would be very low, close to zero and negative prices in Germany where, where you will not see export from NO2 to Germany anyway. And, and you, there is uh, a tendency towards the same in, in UK, prices are more volatile. You, you build a lot of uh, intermittent production capacity in UK as well. And and uh, there's a growing number of, with very growing number of hours with very low prices also in, in UK where you won't see export from, from NO2 in those uh, hours. So, mm. so definitely you should expect, I would say, a, a significant energy export on the UK cable, but far from like maximum capacity. And again, even if there will be uh, several terawatt hours exported, mm on mm. the UK cable, it's relatively small numbers compared to this uh, wind power growth. Mm. This pod is being uh, recorded with, it's obviously the challenges of the COVID times. We're, we're hearing your assistant in the background here, Sigrid, uh, but it's, uh, that's fine. That's only, only natural. You know, I, I, I often get interrupted by my daughters here, but it's just for the listeners who maybe... Sorry, maybe... sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> highlights very much the, the fact that we are, you know, we're true professionals doing this from our kitchens under the stairs. You know, we're still talk, being able to talk about uh, the power flows between uh, these countries. But do you think then these cables will be used for imports primarily? Or I mean, uh, or, I'm not primarily, but uh, there'll be more 
people would be surprised at how much will actually be potentially imported from Germany in the UK? It's difficult to, to know really what is the sort of general expectation to to power uh, flows, but uh, the Nordic region and NO2 is, is a surplus area, so, so it will be mainly export. But there are many factors limiting the potential for, for uh, energy uh, export. So I'm just saying uh, I wouldn't be too optimistic uh, regarding these cables to sort of be <laughs> the big relief for the market. Yeah. Absolutely. So you've talked about the wind, you know, the huge growth in wind power in the Nordics. But you, you talked about two, three year time frame. What happens sort of in the medium term here? Superman? Do you expect this to, to continue even despite the background of maybe challenging prices? No, I don't think so. So uh, there will be a supply growth until 2023, 2024, I would say, for sure. But, but mm. uh, we see that uh, the investment decisions are fewer and fewer. So mm. I think the investors are definitely impacted by what's going on in, in the market and investment decision is uh, harder to reach. So, mm. uh, so the growth will slow down uh, for sure. Or uh, I would expect that because uh, the market is over supplied already so if we see a continued stream of investment decision it will just prolong the period of a very uh, power surplus being problematically large and and, Mm. uh, just inducing very high probability of extremely low prices so Mm. uh, the natural thing for sure would be to see um, that uh, supply side growth uh, slowing down for sure. Are there any growth areas? I know that in Norway, it's quite challenging politically. There's a lot of uh, sort of a grassroots opposition to this, but uh, but there are maybe Finland or Northern Sweden that are more areas where you could see more growth? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there is, uh, I guess, there, there is still more than 30 terawatt hours with investment decisions, decision or under construction regarding onshore uh, wind power. And uh, most of that is in uh, Sweden and Finland for sure. There will be mm. quite a lot uh, coming uh, into production next year in Norway, but beyond 2021 with, with this, uh, let's say, strong NIMBY factor in Norway. Mm. This not in my backyard uh, factor mm. and, um, and this new... Um, uh, licensing regime that is put on hold or, or not in place. So you will not see probably more onshore wind power in Norway for 10 to 15 years. That's mm-hmm. what we uh, mm-hmm. expect at least. But you don't see the same obstacles in, in Sweden and in Finland. So, uh, so there is definitely a significant potential to continue building wind mm-hmm. power there. But beyond what we see already uh, decided uh, we expect to see things slowing down and what about sort of floating or offshore wind here do you expect this to be a growth area i see that uh, like the financial community is uh, is uh, <laughs> <laughs> arguing heavily on on floating uh, offshore wind power in particular to become a, a, a sort of a growth industry for, for for norway it might be but both uh, bottom fixed and floating relies still quite heavily on subsidies and will be as we see it for for many years so mm-hmm. that's more in a way a political discussion than whether you should see growth there or not the market in itself at least in the current circumstances will not uh, start uh, building offshore uh, wind power and an issue that's often discussed uh, together with offshore wind 
or even onshore wind, is green hydrogen. Seems to be a bit of a hot topic at the moment, maybe a bit of hot air, but uh, how do you see this um, uh, developing in, in the Nordics? It's a hot topic for sure, and I guess hydrogen probably will be a game changer in the long term, but uh, it's, it's still, it's still uh, quite, uh, quite a few years into the, uh, to the future, but for sure it's a massive uh, potential. And, and we just yesterday could read about this LKAB's uh, estimates mm. of more than 50 terawatt hours of new electricity consumption during the next two decades due to the use of green uh, hydrogen and this hybrid project being a part of that, which mm. I guess you should uh, expect to see realized and, and that, that has a potential of some 23 terawatt uh, hours. Mm. Uh, hydrogen is, is for sure in the long term a potential rescue uh, uh, factor for, for mm. an oversupplied uh, market. And I think mo- most uh, factors point towards hydrogen becoming very important and sig- significant for sure, but years ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think, you, you know, you have, you know, Equinor, for example, I mean, they're becoming more and more involved in, in, in offshore, offshore wind, uh, both in the UK and on the continent. Uh, and then they have all the infrastructure, the gas infrastructure. So in a sense, that's a, that's a perfect fit for some companies like them to develop, to develop green hydrogen. But um, I thought I, I could then ask, you know, to, to follow from what you're talking there about the potential growth in electrification, you know, an increase in consumption and demand in the Nordics that comes from electrificating, uh, electrifying even, or the electrification of the heating and transport sectors. I mean, uh, is this going to be a game changer and, and absorb some of this extra surplus that you, you're talking about, Sigbjörn? Yeah, I think so. But again, that's in the long uh, run. If you look at uh, figures, uh, you, you see that there currently is no consumption growth going on. Mm. Uh, and it hasn't been for decades. Again, it's, it's a fairly consensus in a way that this green shift mm. will induce uh, massive uh, electricity consumption uh, growth. The electrification of, of sectors like, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned transport and oil and gas and hydrogen. Mm. And, and it's, it's, it's sort of easy to point to to, to triggers for, for um, electricity consumption growth. But uh, the, the big question is how fast will mm. it uh, develop? And uh, so far, it's, it's uh, in a way, it's, it's all forecasted. Nothing uh, hard facts or more or less nothing yet. Mm. Mm. So, um, so we need to see consumption growth uh, picking up uh, very soon, I would say, unless mm. th- uh, otherwise this... Uh, the supply side growth will be too big to handle, even in normal hydrological circumstances. A final question, Sibjorn. You mentioned wind and solar earlier. I mean, we don't really think of the Nordic region as a very sunny region. What do you mean? Does solar have potential here as well? It's still small. Maybe in energy terms, uh, maybe two terawatt hours of solar power production in the Nordic mm. region now. But it's close to one terawatt hours with final investment decision for solar power. Mm. And even if uh, numbers are small, growth rates are very, very uh, high. And conditions are not bad. And, and when you look at uh, investment costs for solar power, how fast it is decreasing. We is actually in our analysis already from 2027, we see more investments in solar power than in uh, wind power in the Nordic wow. uh, region. So, uh, so it's definitely a major factor in uh, mm. not many years into the future, I would say. Excellent. So 
So should I install solar panels on my roof, Sibion, <laughs> here in Oslo? Prices will decrease uh, yeah. for sure. So yeah. when to do the investment? Yeah. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done that calculation uh, myself, but I think I would wait uh, a year or two. But at some point, I'm sure uh, mm. I will have solar panels on my mm. on my roof. Exactly. To charge up the electric car in the garage. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Sigbjorn, perfect. Thank you very much indeed for joining the, the Montel Weekly Podcast this week. Happy to join you. That's all for the podcast this week, listeners. You can now follow us on Twitter on the Montel Weekly Podcast account. Uh, you can uh, direct message any suggestions or questions. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in the energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. And please rate us and leave a review if you can. That helps us to improve. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>